Um, I want you to think about um, a time where you had to choose a side. Sometimes choosing sides is easy, sometimes it's hard. If you uh, have a football team and you love that team and you're going to a game with that team, it's kind of easy to choose your side, isn't it? Now, if perhaps you have two kids and they go to two different colleges, perhaps, and one goes to College A and the other goes to College B, you might find yourself a little torn on what side to choose. You might wear the hat of one team and the shirt of another. Think of... um, political kinds of issues. Maybe something comes up and it's a little controversial or, or you're not really sure where you stand and you have to think through it. And, and you can either go with the token one way or the other, but if you really want to chew on it and process it and own it for yourself, you have to think through that. And you have to say, where do I stand on this? What, what side am I on? Uh, can I stay in the middle on this? Can, can I agree with this or that? At the end of the day, you know, I, we tend to have to pick one side or the other. What side are you on? Today is the last day of our series on Luke. We have been going through the lectionary selected texts for Luke all the way since September, which began around Luke chapter 12, and we've come all the way to this last day. In the the lectionary calendar, the calendar year, it lands us the last week before Advent is what is called Christ the King Sunday. And in the Methodist church, uh, at least in our church, we don't make a a big deal about that. Uh, But that's where we get this scripture as it is, is that uh, it's the reign of Christ and, and Christ the King. And so that's where the gospel really comes to its climax, is in this reality that God, through Jesus, reigns over the world. We began back in chapter 12 where Jesus was already en route to Jerusalem. And we've heard him preach and we've heard him teach some challenging lessons about the kingdom of God. We've seen him include all kinds of surprising people, the the outsiders, the lepers, the foreigners, uh, even those Roman oppressors, all, all kinds of surprising people. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna pick sides, it's it's hard to see Jesus because he's kind of messing up the sides, isn't he? He's he's kind of bringing pre- people across the line that you wouldn't expect to be brought across the line. We see Jesus in this mission. He goes toe to toe with the religious leaders who had been really leading Israel astray. Meanwhile, Jesus is carrying the true mission of Israel on his own back, embodying what Israel was meant to be this whole time. And the difference between who Jesus is and who Israel has become is the difference between God's intention for Israel and how far they have drifted from those intentions. While he is carrying this mission on his back, Jesus is on his way to do something about it. He is on a collision course with the establishment. He comes into the temple. He says the things that need to be said. He pokes the bear and the bear retaliates. And yet Jesus knew all along from way back He knew that this must happen. He even predicted it. Back in chapter 9, Jesus says to his disciples, Who do the people say that I am? 
And then he goes to them and he looks at him and he says, who do you say that I am? And in that very moment, Peter, the extrovert, says, you are the Messiah. He says it out loud. He names it among the disciples. And from that moment, once it is established and spoken out loud as to who Jesus is, he begins to rearrange their understanding and expectations of what Messiahship is supposed to be. He says, I must, I must undergo suffering, rejection, and be killed. Well, that doesn't match with Messiah, does it? And so as we go down the road, we've come all the way to Jerusalem. Last week we were in the temple. This week takes us to that place where Jesus breathes his last breath, a Roman cross. Is this really how it's going to end? This is not what his followers expected. The Messiah is supposed to be killed. He was supposed to lead Israel against those oppressing Romans who held Israel under their thumb. Surely, somewhere before the cross, Jesus was going to pull kind of a switcheroo and lead begin to lead his, his people, or maybe the, the heavenly forces, and, and overthrow these Romans. Surely somewhere before the cross, Jesus was going to make a U-turn and do what we all expected him to do. And yet, he doesn't. He takes the cross on himself. And dying with Jesus are all those messianic hopes that some of his followers hoped would go along with what it means to be the Messiah. In our text today, there are three kinds of people who show Jesus no respect. The first kind is the Jewish rulers. They say, well, if he is the Messiah... Let him save himself. A very different kind of people are the soldiers. They don't really care about this Messiah bit, but there's this, this sign above Jesus on the cross that says, King of the Jews. That's antithetical to the rulers and the powers of the world of the Roman Empire. And, and so they laugh. It's probably just all in a day's work to these guys who probably have death penalty slash crucifixion duty quite often. And they say, well, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. The third one is a criminal. Hanging right there next to Jesus on the cross. And he says, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself, and while you're at it, save us. Save yourself. That's what they all say. That's the expected thing to do. But Jesus doesn't save himself. 
everyone around him, the scoffers, the mockers, the deriders. But he doesn't do it. Why does he not save himself? Jesus did not fit into the expected role of what a Savior was meant to be. And he did not fit into the expected role of a king. In other words, he doesn't fit into earthly categories, into the way that we are predisposed to think this is the way the world works. We've been conditioned to believe that ever since the day we were born. This is how it is. This is how the world works. And then you come to this place where Jesus does not fit that kind of category. Jesus' kingdom, though in this world, is not from this world. It's kind of hard to believe that this man that we come to worship today was crucified. We usually think about this close to Easter time and during Lent especially. But to think about it every day is, is really quite fascinating. To think about it the week before Thanksgiving is quite fascinating. What I think is even more intriguing is that Jesus is literally hanging on a cross with a sinner on his right and one on his left. On one side, there is this thief. And on the other side, or this criminal, there is, there is this criminal. And, and from a distance, they kind of look the same. From a worldly perspective, they just look like one man hanging in between two criminals. But if you get closer and you listen to the conversation in the midst of them, they're not the same. They're very different in the way that they relate to Jesus. They're, they're probably not different in what they have done so much in life. They're probably not different in their brokenness or their crimes or anything like that. One's not perhaps any more righteous than the other in that regard, but they're very different as they sit there hanging next to Jesus. You know, we have this cross in most Churches, a lot of churches have a cross. And a lot of times it's, it's just one cross. Sometimes you see three crosses, but a lot of times we look at one and we think, yeah, Jesus died on the cross and that means that he did that. He that takes away my sin and he died for me. But what if we didn't just imagine Jesus dying on a cross? What if we imagined Jesus dying on a cross and we were up there next to him? If you had to be one of those two criminals, which side would you be on? If you only had to choose between one or the other, which one would be you? In reality, we're all one of those two people. We're on one side or the other.
Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Galatians 2.20. That's worth memorizing, repeating, praying through. Crucified with Christ. Paul sees himself as one of those two on the cross. We've all heard the expression, hang out. You want to go hang out? means you want to go relax somewhere. Yo, Jesus, you want to go hang out? Or maybe the shortened version, some would say, hey, you want to go hang? Well, at the end of the day, there is this calling of every Christian to hang with Jesus. Literally. Right there next to him. If we're not willing to hang with Jesus, then eventually we will lose interest in Him. If we are not willing to hang with Jesus, we will become like that deriding thief who really cannot see beyond himself in his own worldly situation and simply wants to use Jesus to bail him out. If we don't want to hang with Jesus, then we will merely treat Him as Nothing more than a moral teacher with good teachings. And he'll go on this list of other moral teachings that, that teach some higher order of things rather than being the actual Savior of the world. If we don't want to hang with Jesus, then he will never be our Lord and he will never be our Savior. He will become nothing more than Someone to use for what we want. One of many, perhaps, coping mechanisms as we go throughout life. And once we get out of Jesus what we need, we will then go elsewhere. But the call to follow Christ, as we have said before, is a call to take up our cross. There's a sort of death involved in this. What does that look like in our lives? What does that look like for us to be a cross-embracing people? I seriously doubt that any of us will literally be crucified on a cross. Lord, have mercy, I hope not. But every single day, we all have opportunities to say things like, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That's a Tiny little crucifixion. That's a digestible size, isn't it? Let's start with that. Let's start practicing crucifixion at a small level. Maybe it means something in your reputation has to be let go of. Maybe it means dying to your own control over your world. Boy, when we control, try to control our world... That's a, that's a tough way to live, isn't it? Such an illusion. Maybe it means giving your finances over to God. Maybe it means letting go of 
what you think your marriage needs to be or what you need to be in your marriage. Maybe, maybe it has to do with the way you relate to your kids or to your parents. Maybe it has something to do with your schedule and, and you want to make sure it's what you want it to be and you're not willing to let God have any of that. Or maybe it's your, your comfort or your convenience because the gospel and the kingdom of God often comes at times of inconvenience. These little crucifixions. I invite you to give this a try. At the beginning of the day, pray, Lord Jesus, show me where you want me to lay down my will for my life and accept your will for my life. Just pray that every day for a month. Try it on and see. Lord, show me how you want me to give up my will for your will. And then at the end of every day, come back and say, Lord, where did, where did that invitation to, to lay down my will and take up my cross present itself? Where did I miss that? Where did I do that? If you do that at the beginning, at the end of every day for the next month, come back to me in a month and tell me what happens in your life. Throughout the road of life, these little crucifixions also hold within them the promise of little resurrections. Ways that we are transformed from an old way of life to a new way of life. From an old self to a new self. From a person who simply lives in this world only, the destiny of that is on one side of Jesus. They can say nothing more than save yourself and us. And the destiny of a, another way of life that, that ends up that says, Lord, I see your innocence. Would you remember me? I place my faith and my trust in you. And even though the world thinks the kingdom is supposed to be like this and everything, I understand now. I see with faith that, that there's more to this life than what we've been conditioned to see. That's the stuff of faith, is it not? Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The cross is the key to life. The cross is the key to the kingdom of God. The cross is our worship. It's our citizenship. It's our trademark. People were expecting the king of the Jews to be one who rules through worldly power. Well, that just means that Jesus' rule is based upon the things of this world. Jesus reigns all right. He rules over all of heaven and earth. But His reign looks different than what we ever expected. It was so different that, that people didn't even see it coming. He doesn't say, yeah, I'll get you off that cross to that thief on his one side. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Which means whatever happens to you in this world, whatever happens to you in this life, I've got you, buddy. I've got you. So at the end of the day, we have to pick sides. At the end of the day, in your heart and your mind, you're going to be one of those two thieves. You're either going to be on the side that seeks 
your own will or you're going to be on the side that eventually surrenders your life to God's will. And that's the choice that we all have to make before us. Which side are you going to be on? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, would you give us the faith to see beneath the surface of what you're doing? Would you take this cross reality and plug it into our lives? Whatever that needs to mean for us today. Those places where we're trying to make this world what we want it to be rather than surrendering to your world and your kingdom. Maybe we're striving and trying so hard. And maybe you just simply want us to release and surrender and let go. Would you give us faith today? To see your true goodness. To know that the ruler of the universe is truly loving and truly good. And let us be a people who carry out that reign and that rule in our lives. Show us what the cross means. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.